Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen and amen. How many love you some Jesus this morning? Amen. Uh, man, we're excited. I want to I wanna just do real quickly before we jump into uh, the message, I want to share something really cool, just a house um, kind of item that we have. If you come to Reliance, if it's your first time and you're a visitor, welcome. We call ourselves a family uh, because we're all about doing life together. Um, and so if you're here for the first time today, welcome to the family. Um, if you're regular, it's always good to be with you. I want to share a really cool thing um, that, that's happening in the life of Reliance. In, in your seats, you guys saw a little missions flyer that looks like this, and um, it talks about Reliance Family Community in the world, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a snapshot of our, our vision for missions this year, and so if you get a chance, take a look at that, um, and you can take that home, but I want to just share some highlights real quickly um, with that. You know, we talk a lot about not having a desire to build Reliance Community, not this kingdom. We don't want to build our kingdom and make it all about, you know, the church on 119th and Pawnee and, and all those things. That's not the end game of God, and that's not the end game of us. The end game is that His glory would go to the nations, amen? That every nation, every tongue, tribe, and nation would know him. And so that's really what our heart is too. And we know that there's a couple ways that we do that. We do that locally because there's a lot of cool missions, organizations that we can support that are just, just next door to us. And so we want to support local missions and we also want to do that globally. And so what we do is we, we want to sow seeds into those ministries because we believe that if we sow seeds into those ministries, Scripture says you reap what you sow. Amen? And so if we're sowing into the gospel message going around the world, then we know that what we're going to reap is a harvest of people that love Jesus. And that's really what our heart is. But I want to share two things with you. First of all, in the last nine months, just nine months, we've been able to send out $51,450 to missions. Amen? Because of your faithfulness. Because of your faithfulness. And the second thing I want to say, in the last nine months, we've been able to give around $6,500 away to people that have been in need, whether that's bills paid, whether that's um, food money, whatever it is. And so that's because of your faithfulness. Amen? Over $58,000 has gone out of these doors. And, and I want you to hear that for a reason, because... Our desire is, again, it's not to just build walls and, and buildings and space. Yes, man, things are happening and, and, and God's growing and God's moving. But if it's all, if we become so internally focused that we lose sight of the Great Commission, we lose. Amen? We lose. And that's not our goal. That's not what we want. We want to make sure that we keep this thing that God's doing across the ends of the earth, unifying the body of Christ across the universe. That's our end game. That's our goal. And so I just felt like it was important that you guys know um, that you're sowing seeds into some awesome ministries. And you can take a look at those in that, uh, in, in that little flyer that we put on your chairs. Amen, church? It's good. It's good. All right. So let's get into it. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and jump into John 14. John chapter 14, uh, we're in a series called Red Letters, if you, you haven't been with us, um, this is week four, and uh, basically in some of y'all's Bibles, you'll see that whatever Jesus said, whatever words Jesus spoke will be in red, and the whole point is that they pop out of the page. And so we're really after this because we believe that the words of Jesus are important, and they teach us how to live, and not just live, but thrive. Somebody say thrive. Because we're not interested just in living, we want abundant life, which is thriving. Amen, church? 
And, and so we, we, we really think that these words are important. And so um, we're studying the words of Jesus because they, we know that the words of Jesus change the world. And so um, we've talked about this every week that we're not after what would Jesus do. We're after what did Jesus, what Jesus did. And if we can see what Jesus did, we know he's going to do it again. 1 John 2, 6 says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Somebody say did. Okay, that's where our heart's at. That's what we want. And so we're walking through John 13 through 16. And the reason is, is because from John 13 to John 17, you'll see most of the red letters of Jesus are found in those chapters. And, and the, the crazy thing is that those chapters are right before his time where he was crucified and put into the tomb. And so anytime that Jesus' life got short or it was just a few days and he just has all these words that are coming out, we know that it's going to be something very, very important. And so we're locked in to all the truth that Jesus has been sharing from John chapter 13 through John 16. He's spending his time with his disciples. He's trying to strengthen them in this last hour. And so we believe that these are really, really important. And so last week, we talked about truth and how important truth is to break lies, how important truth is to break the enemy's stronghold of lies, lies that you're not good enough, lies that you'll never measure up. And we talked about those lies. But once we buy into the truth of God, now we get to see what jo the rest of John 14 brings, which is once we buy into the truth, we get peace. Somebody say peace. Peace. Somebody say peace. <laughs> peace breaks through and gives us hope. That's the whole context of this next part that we are going to be reading. Jesus is going to give us the Holy Spirit as a gift, and in that gift of the Holy Spirit, we get peace. Let me tell you something right now, just so that you know this right off the bat. Peace carries power. It just does. You want power in your life? Have a heart of peace in Jesus. Peace carries power. And when you speak peace into the chaos of somebody's life, you have their attention, all right? When you come up to somebody and you speak peace into the chaotic nature of our life, I'm telling you right now, that person will listen to you. This was Jesus' ministry. He went and he found people who were living in chaos, whether they were living in chaos of, of relationships, whether they were living in chaos of healing and diseases that they had, whether they were living in chaos of just life. Jesus would approach people, he would speak peace and life into them, and he got their attention. And so if this is what Jesus did, we want to do the same thing because we know that Jesus can calm the chaos in every life with his peace. We know it. We've seen it. We've witnessed it. If you're here today, you've probably tasted it. Amen? And so um, th this, is, this is really where we're after. And so just in John 14, what you'll see is that Jesus gives a gift. And so John 14, we're going to start with verse 15 here. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments... And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or another word for that is helper or comforter, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in to all truth. And so he goes through and he explains a little bit of what that looks like, and then jumping down to verse 22, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And listen to the profound reply. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we, somebody say we. Oh, he's talking Trinity. We will come to them and make our home with them. 
Now hold up a second, church. This is where you get your highlighters out, all right? This is where you get your highlighters out. Because right before this in John chapter 14, Jesus says, I'm going away and I'm preparing a home for you someday. And in my father's house, there are plenty of rooms. And when I get there, there's going to be a room for you someday. And all the disciples were like, yay, there's going to be a room for us. Now Jesus changes tone for a minute. And he says, look, you don't have to wait for your home just in heaven, though. We're going to come make a home in you right now. Amen. He says, we are getting ready, we, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are getting ready to come make our home with you. We're going to take up residency in you. And I love this, because what Jesus is telling us in this moment is, you don't have to worry about life anymore when Jesus comes and takes residence in you. There is a peace that comes. There is a hope that comes. There's a movement that comes. Look what he says in verse 25, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. Somebody say everything. And will remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving you with a gift, okay? When Jesus says I'm leaving you with a gift, man, note this thing, because Jesus is the perfect gift giver, okay? I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm not a very good gift giver. Anybody good gift givers out there? Anybody have those people in your life that are not good gift givers and they give you something and you just go, oh, bless your heart, right? And you know they meant well. It was a sweet gesture, but you're like, what am I going to do with this piece of junk, right? And so you just re-gift it to somebody else. Come on now. Who's out there? Yeah? A few of you. Some of us are not good gift givers. You know, I, I thought about this as I was thinking about the gift that Jesus gave us. And obviously he's perfect in that. I'm not a good gift giver, but my wife is. My wife, when it comes to teachers and the schools and teacher appreciation, she does her research. She emails the teacher. She's like, what's your favorite things? What do you like? And she gets all of the things that they like, and then she sends them their gifts so it's actually meaningful to them. Not me. If it was up to me, I'm sending popcorn or whatever. And they're like, hey, look, I'm allergic to popcorn. I'm like, oh, but it's the thought that counts. And they're like, no, not, not really. I told you that in orientation, right? I mean, I'm just not good at it. She's good at it. Jesus is that way. He knows exactly what we need so that we can endure in life, so that we can thrive in life, so that we can get through in life. Amen? So Jesus, as the gift giver, comes in and tells you, I'm giving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And in my mind, this just blows me. He could have left us with anything. He could have left us with any gift. And his gift that he says is, I give you peace. He could have said, I give you hope, and he does. He could have said, I give you love, and he does. He could have said, I give you miracles, and he does. But he says, look, if you have peace, you're going to abound in all these other things. I give you peace through the Holy Spirit to walk out your life in Christ. Everything that we do, church, hinges on this relationship then with the Holy Spirit and the peace that he brings. What's so cool about this section in John 14, as he opens up in John 14, 1, and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he closes this section out essentially with the same thing. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And the reason that he's bookending those two things is because in this section, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm getting ready to die. 
So their whole life, for three years, they've been following Jesus. They've given up everything for three years. They've given up all of things for the last three years. And now Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to go away. And they're going, oh, man, my heart's troubled. And so he's speaking directly to them. If you were honest with yourself, you ever have one of those moments you're dealing with something big, big projects coming, big medical deal is coming up and that you're going to have to go through procedure with, and somebody comes up to you and says, seriously, don't, don't be troubled, right? And you're like, I want to punch you in the face right now. You don't know what's going on in my heart. You don't understand. It's, it's like the person means well. They're like, hey, look, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. And you're like, you have no idea the chaos that's going on in my heart right now with this. They mean well. They really do. They mean well. But the reality is, is my heart is worrying about it. Why? Because that's our tendency in life. Our tendency in life is to worry and to get anxious about things. It's part of our flesh nature. Our flesh nature is always going to go to the worry. Our flesh nature is always going to go to be anxious about things. That's why scripture speaks about it over and over and over. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. Why? Because our natural tendency is to worry. Any worriers out there? You can raise your hand. Come on now. All right. So just to make sure that we're on the same page, if this is our tendency, then it's a big deal to talk about the power of God and peace. Amen? The Holy Spirit brings power and peace into our lives. And I don't know if you're out there today, but you need a little peace in your life. I know that I do. I know that I could use some peace in my life. And maybe your prayer has been, God, would you establish my home in peace or at least make my house soundproof because it's about to get real in here. Amen? It's one of those two usually. Peace is not one of those things that comes natural. We war within ourselves. We've got lack of peace in our families, lack of peace in relationships. I hear lack of peace in marriages all the time, workplaces, everyday life. There's something that's contending with our peace. And so when we lose that peace, it can be easy to lose sight of Jesus. When chaos comes in, because we talked about this a little bit last week, when chaos comes in and the disciples were in the boat with Jesus, they lost sight that the king of kings was laying in the boat with them asleep, and all they saw was the chaos around them. So when we lose our peace, we can lose sight of Jesus. And God gets that. I want you to hear my heart. God, God's not like, oh, how could you do that? He gets it. He understands frustration. He understands worry. He understands stress. He understands business. It wasn't his desire to have it this way, all right? This is not what he desired, but he understands what sin does. So his understanding and his love for us, knowing that that's not what he created, but brokenness created that, Jesus comes in to redeem us on the earth, and what does he bring? Peace. It's what was heralded in when Jesus was born. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. So all of this hinges on this idea of peace, and I love to pound this in, church. I love to pound this in. It's not God's intention from what I read in Scripture, and you'll hear us say this all the time, from what I read in Scripture, it's not God's intention for us to be miserable until he comes back. It's just not. There's nowhere in Scripture where God says, look, you broke the world, you fix it. When I come back, then you'll be, you know, in something good. You just don't see that in Scripture. There's never a place in Scripture where God says, look, it's broken, be miserable, but when the clouds roll back and you're caught up in the sky, whatever your rapture theology looks like, all right, whatever that looks like, then peace will come. That's not what he says. Over and over and over again, he says, peace is yours right now. Right now. 
Abundant life is yours right now. And so I think it's important that we all get that, that it's not about being miserable until he comes back. Everybody say yes. So we start today then. What is peace then? There's, there's a couple different definitions that I looked up with peace. Um, uh, and they're kind of two different ways. Number one, freedom from disturbance, quiet, and tranquility. Okay? I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't think that's attainable. Amen? If you've got kids, mic drop, boom, you understand what I'm talking about. If you've got a neighbor that's got a barking dog, you're just not going to get quiet and tranquility. Anybody got a neighbor with it? You don't have to raise your hand. All right? Here's the thing, that kind of peace is not what Jesus is speaking about. He's not saying that I'm going to give you freedom with quiet tranquility where you never hear noises out there, where there's never any stress. But this is the kind of peace that he gives us. Number two definition of peace, a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity with one another. Listen to that. I'm going to read that again. This is the kind of peace. I think sometimes when we think about the peace of God, we're like, God, my life's just not quiet, right? You're not going to have that. But this is the kind of peace that he's talking about, a pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity with one another. This is what Jesus spoke into every life that he met. There is no longer hostility between God and you. There is no longer uh, hostility between God and you. And to be honest, we need to know know something with this. We have been at war within ourselves with this. We have been at war at one time with God. What Satan wants to do is Satan wants you and I to believe that we're still fighting the same war from the beginning of time. That we're still fighting the same war that Adam and Eve messed up. That we're still fighting the same war of, yes, sin entered in and it fractured our relationship with God and it put a wedge between us and God and his creation. And that because of that sin that's in our life, we're at war with God. We need to change the narrative today. And the way that we change the narrative today, because according to Colossians 1.21, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from God by your evil thoughts and actions. And when we change our narrative today and we say, you and I were once enemies of God because of sin in our hearts, because of sin in our souls, but can we have peace with God? We come and we look at Luke 4, 18 through 19, and we see why Jesus came. And this is a profound verse we use a lot in here because it's really where our heart is at. The spirit of the Lord Jesus said is upon me. He anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That doesn't sound like enmity. He sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. That doesn't sound like enmity. That the blind will see. That doesn't sound like we're at war with God. That the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So Jesus comes in to change our narrative that says that we are still at war with God and that we'll never have peace in our lives. And he begins to speak it over every single person that he meets. Look at Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace. Somebody say, I have peace. peace. With God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, church, the enemy wants you to stay in the place of you believing that there's still enmity between you and God. Because you're not going to approach the throne that way. You're not going to come boldly to him. You're not going to pursue the things of God. You're going to stay at a distance hoping that somehow God's goodness will somehow shower you when he does come back, right? 
That's, that's not the things that God brought in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to set you free from that, to know that you are loved by him, that you have been set free by him, that peace is a gift freely given to him, from him to you. Amen? So there's a story, I've shared this oh, a few years back from World War II that I always find fascinating, big history buff. And uh, I've told this in here before, but it's about um, in, in World War II, it's about when uh, the Japanese army um, in 1944, they were told never to surrender the island of Lubang. And when the American soldiers landed in 1945, there was this lieutenant that fled to the jungle. This Japanese lieutenant, he fled to the jungle. Seven months later, after the Americans arrived, the war was over, but not for this lieutenant. For 30 years, he hid in the jungle, still believing the war was going on. I want you to think about that. 1944, they land. 1945, seven months later, the war's over. And for 30 years, this guy is living in the jungles, believing that the war is still going on because no one had told him otherwise. In 1974, true story. 1974, he emerged from the jungle where the rest of the world moved forward and celebrated the end of one of the bloodiest battles and wars of all time. He still hid for 30 years. Can you imagine being that ticked off right there, right? That for 30 years nobody told you? Like that would irritate me. But we're living the same way. There's some of us in this room that we come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and somebody just needs to tell you, you're not in the same war with God anymore, okay? That the gift of God is peace in the Holy Spirit in your life. That there's not enmity between you and God anymore. That Jesus came to release us from the war within ourselves and the war that we had with him. I'm going to say that again. That Jesus came to release ourselves with the war from within ourselves, amen? The war that's within ourselves. Somebody's got a war within themselves today. And that he came to release us from the war with him. Some of us are still hiding our spiritual lives in that war. And today I believe that God wants to break it. You are still captive to that self-despair. You're still captive to those difficult times. You're still captive to that self-pity. And we continue to hide, never tasting the peace of Jesus Christ. And so what we have to do, church, is we have to change our alignments, okay? What are we aligned? What are we fixated on? we got to change our alignments. In John 16, Jesus is talking with his disciples about his soon departure, and he says this. We read this last week. I've told you these things that in me, somebody say, in me, you may have peace. Okay, now if you feel comfortable writing your Bible, underline that or circle that. In me, you may have peace. Then he switches. In this world, somebody say, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome this world. There's a distinction that Jesus makes in this scripture in John 16, 33. In me, you'll find peace. In this world, you'll find trouble. Let me break that down to you in a practical way, okay? You can go and you can go to yoga class all day long. You're never going to find inner peace, all right? You just, I, and if you're a yoga person, awesome, that's fine. You're just not going to find inner peace that's lasting, all right? We're talking about different ones. You can take all the classes that you want that are self-help. You can burn all the incense, candles that you want to. Inner peace is not going to be yours for a lasting lifetime. You can go shopping if you want to and try to fix that inner peace. Some of you ladies perked up there, I saw it, all right? 
but you're not going to find peace for a lifetime. It's like chasing the wind because the peace that the world brings is simply a false reality or a shadow of the peace that God brings. The peace that the world tries to bring, it's momentary and it's empty. At the end of it, at the core of it, whatever you're chasing, it's empty. But the peace of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit is lasting and fulfilling. If you don't believe me, test it. If you don't believe me, try it. If we want to have peace, we have to focus on God's presence rather than the world's solutions. It's as simple as that. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect, somebody say perfect, perfect peace all who trust in you. That's profound to me. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Our problem is our alignment. We've got to realign where our thoughts and our hearts are fixed. Look at the warning that Jesus said in Luke chapter 19. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city ahead, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, he wept. Why? He says, how I wish today that you, all people, that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. He's talking about the fact that when he comes in, rather than them seeing him as the triumphal king of kings, rather than seeing him, rather than seeing him as the Messiah, rather than seeing him as the Savior, he says that they rejected him, as we know, because we get to see the rest of the story. They rejected him. They would put him on a cross. He says, it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. And he's talking about the destruction. And so here, church, is where it lies. Are we chasing after the peace of Jesus? Are we chasing after the peace of this world? So how does the Holy Spirit come into play in this thing? Bill Johnson has a quote that I love. He says, peace is not the absence of something but the presence of someone. Amen? Peace is not like, oh, man, peace is the absence because I don't have bills to pay. Peace is the absence because I don't have to do this. Peace is the absence because I, I don't have this in my life. He says, peace is not the absence of something that I'm missing in life or something I don't have to do in life, but it's, but it's the presence of someone in my life. And, and I think that that's really, really important when we look at this. If peace isn't the absence of war or the absence of conflict or noise or stress, and it's not setting our eyes on uh, then, then the reality is that peace is just simply when we set our eyes on Jesus Christ and he comes into our life and he fills us and he gives us that hope and that love and he basically takes the chaos and he chases it out. That's what true peace is. And I'm telling you, church, the only difference between what we read about in the scriptures of those men and women that lived in those days and our life today is that they were with Jesus. They truly had a belief in him. Second Thessalonians 3.16, now may the Lord of peace himself Listen, may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. Peace is Jesus. Jesus doesn't contain peace. Jesus doesn't possess peace. He is peace. It's the essence of who he is. Amen? Come on now. We don't just go after Jesus so he gives us a little bit of his peace. We go after Jesus because he is peace. It's a different pursuit that we're after. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, real quickly. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank you for all he's done. Listen, 
then you will experience God's peace. Wait a second. So wait, how do I experience God's peace? I'm, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious, but I'm going to thank him. You want to know what brings peace into your life? Having thankful, thankfulness for all that God has done in your life. Being thankful for what the Lord has done. Listen to what he says. Then you'll experience God's peace, which transcends all understanding. Listen, his peace will guard. Somebody say guard. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say the peace of God will eliminate the circumstances. Notice that. It doesn't say the peace of God will eliminate the circumstances. It says peace will stand guard over your hearts and minds when the circumstances come in. That when the circumstances come in, peace will guard your heart and peace will guard your mind. And here's what pa Paul is saying. This kind of peace is unchanging. It doesn't come and go on life's challenges and life's ups and downs. We are talking about the peace that tames every piece of opposition that surrounds our life. It tames them all. Jesus is and always will be the victor in his peace in taming those situations. And then lastly, Colossians 3, 14 through 15. Just lots of scripture today. More than anything, I just want you to get this in your heart. He's talking about the new life in Christ. If you've come to new life in Christ, if you've said yes to Jesus and you've come to new life in Christ, he says in verse 14, above all, above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and, somebody say and, let the peace that comes from Christ rule, everybody say rule. In your hearts. And so my question today, church, is really simple. Are you allowing the peace of Christ to rule your hearts? Because in a minute, the worship team is going to come forward, and I'm going to ask you, what's ruling your heart right now? Is anxiousness ruling your heart? Is anxiety ruling your heart? Is fear ruling your heart? Is frustration ruling your heart? Is bitterness ruling your heart? Is chaos ruling your heart? Or is the peace of God ruling your heart? Peace, if you remember, is not a trouble-free life. It's that sense of calm in life's storms. What's robbing you then of letting the peace of God rule in your hearts today? Just practically, I want you to think about it. You've got a situation that you feel like is unbreakable. You've got a, an issue. You've got a circumstance. You've got a whatever. You, you, what is it that's robbing you of this peace that literally is a free gift from God? What's robbing you of this? Every person in here gets it. You get it by saying yes to Jesus. You get this free gift. You don't have to do anything for it, and it's the free gift of peace. So what's robbing you of that peace today? That's question number one. Question number two, because we're all about following in the footsteps of Jesus to know what Jesus did. What's keeping you then from giving that peace to somebody else? If God has changed your hearts and he stirred this in you and you're going, man, amen, peace of God changes everything, chases chaos out of my life, peace of God transcends all understanding and you, we're getting this, then what's stopping us from going up to dude over here who's broken, to the gal over here who's broken, to the chaos that's surrounding everyday life carrying the mantle of the Holy Spirit that's in your life 
with the peace of God that transcends all understanding and speaking that to that person. Declaring peace over that person. Look, I know you're broken. Look, I know you've been on hard times. But we declare the peace of Jesus Christ over you right now. That's what Jesus did. He didn't keep it to himself. He met people in their brokenness. But it starts with first allowing the peace of God to meet you in your brokenness. And so this morning when the band closes here with this song, once again, we'll just altars open. By yourself if you want to come. You want prayer over your uh, situations, whatever. The crosses are open. What's keeping you from the peace of God today? Let's break that. What's keeping you from speaking the peace of God in someone else's life? Let's break that and let's start walking in that. Amen, church? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today we thank you and just declare your goodness in this place. Father, what good is it to merely be hearers of your word and not doers of your word? And so Jesus, today somebody needs to receive peace. They've been resistive towards it because the enemy has bought bought this lie into their life and they've bought into it that there's still war and enmity between us and you. And I just believe right now, Father, that somebody needs that flooding presence of the peace of God to come over them. And so God, just in simple terms, whoever that is today, Father, will you make that happen? And then Jesus, all of us in this room, we have another mandate on our life. And that mandate is, if the Holy Spirit is inside of us, then the peace of God is inside of us. And we need to be speaking that over lives that are in chaos. We need to be speaking that over lives that are broken. I pray, God, that what flows from this body of believers is life-giving words of peace. So we speak that, God, prophetically. We speak that over this church today. God, that everywhere these men and women will go and these students will go and these children will go, that, God, they will speak life, they will speak life, and they will speak peace into every life that they encounter. And that chaos will be drowned out by the peace of God. So we speak that forth in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.